The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. passage inadvertently left out of your worship guide, Luke chapter 23, and find, if you will, verse 32. And we want to look, as we come to the Lord's table, at just a dozen verses here that you will see immediately speak directly to what uh, Ricky sang so beautifully a moment ago, and what we're focusing upon in this time of worship. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors, or if you have the NIV, criminals, who were led away to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deed. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today you will be with me in Paradise. Today we come to focus our attention on the heart of biblical Christianity. All Christians would agree the heart of our Christian faith is focused upon the cross and, as we know, the subsequent resurrection. And what we see there is man at his worst. God at his best. Man killed the only perfect man who ever lived. But in the midst of that, God acted to save all the world. Man at his worst, God at his best. Sometime in recent days, as you watch the media, we've seen many people get all emotionally distraught over two reporters in the Middle East beheaded by terrorists, and it was a tragedy. It should never have happened. But I want to say to you, a greater tragedy happened at Calvary. 
this man had done nothing. And yet, he paid for the sins of all the world in his death on your behalf and my behalf at the cross. And what I want you to do in these brief moments with me this morning is to remember there wasn't just one cross there. There were actually three crosses, and each of those three typify the world that we live in. I want to give you this where you can take something home and remember it. I want to say it to you, and then I want you to say it back to me. If you somebody said, what did you get out of church this morning? I want you to at least be able to tell them one thing. And here it is in a nutshell. Three crosses at Calvary. One man died in sin. One man died without sin. And one man died for sin. One more time. One man died in sin. One man died without sin. And one man died for sin. Can you say that with me? Let's say it together. One man died in sin. One man died without sin. And one man died for sin. And in all three of these, I want you to see three quick things as we come to the Lord's table. The first thing is who they were. Secondly, what they had done. And thirdly, what they said. Who they were what they had done, what they had said. And it's easy without being a Bible scholar to see all three of these. First of all, one man at the cross died in sin. Look at it. Who was he? All we're told in verse 32 is he was, the King James says, a malefactor or criminal. We don't know what crime he had committed. We just know that's who he was. We don't know his name. We don't know where he came from. All we know know is that right here at the cross of Calvary, when the only perfect man who ever lived is dying, this man died in his sin. Sometimes people say to me, well, when I've witnessed to them and they're not ready to make a decision, I've heard them actually say to me, well, I'm going to be like the thief on the cross preacher. I'll get there eventually. And I always say, which thief? Which thief? One thief died and went to hell. One thief died and went to heaven. This man, as far as we know, died and went to hell in his sin. What he said was, first of all, doubting something of who Jesus was, if thou be the Christ, with an implication that I question that you are. But if you are, Then look what he said, save yourself. And by the way, get us out of this also. You see here the commentary upon mankind today. Many people only want God in a time of emergency. They turn to God when all else fails. They turn to God as an escape valve. They turn to God as a heavenly escapism and forget God the rest of the time. And here this man is in desperation says, if you really are the Christ, Save yourself and us. People die today in their sin. And anyone who dies as this man died, according to the Bible, go straight to hell. That ought to break our hearts. It broke the heart of the Son of God. 
And here he is, dying for the sins of the world. This man could have been saved, but instead, he said, if you're Christ, save yourself and us. So, who was he? A criminal. What had he done? All we know was acts of wrongdoing that justified the Romans to impale him on a cross. What did he say? He questioned the authenticity of Jesus and said, get us out of here quickly. A second man died, look at it, without sin. Verses 40 through 43 here tell us this about this man. Who was he? Again, we don't know his name. I know this much. He was the last trophy of God's grace. Isn't it just like Jesus right here in his dying moment, just before he died, he saved one more person. Christ's greatest trophy. In his dying moments, Jesus saved him, but we don't know who he was. We don't know what he had done other than the fact he himself said, we're getting exactly what we deserve. We, we are guilty and we know it. This man's done nothing. Then notice what he said. He said to his friend, don't you fear God? And then he acknowledged his own sin. He said, we're getting just what we deserve. And you know, folk, all over our world today, many people have difficulty coming to grips with the fact of who they really are. Sinners in need of help. I heard of a lady one time who had her picture taken and the proofs came back and she indignantly went into the photographer's office and she threw them on the table and said, Mr. Photographer, these pictures just don't do me justice. He looked at them and he looked at her. He said, ma'am, if you'll pardon me saying it, you don't need justice, you need mercy. (laughs) Now, I want to say to you, I feel that way. I don't want justice. If I got exactly what I deserve, I would go straight to hell, and so would you, and so would all the world. We don't need justice. We need mercy. And that thief on the cross said he acknowledged his wrong. And then, in his dying moments, he made a request. He said, Lord, remember me. That's all he could say when you come into your kingdom. Here is a thief, a man who's lived a life of degradation and rebellion against everything that was high and holy in his dying moment. He says, Lord, remember me. Now this man in desperation asked for help and God gave it to him. But now be careful. The wrong lesson from this would be you can wait too. I want to ask you. How many people have you known that got saved on their deathbed? I haven't seen any. I don't question it can happen. It happened right here. Most people today die in one of two cases. They either die suddenly and they're killed with a heart attack or an accident and they're out into eternity. There is no deathbed or the advances of modern science. They die heavily sedated and what we would say a semi-conscious comatose condition and in no condition to ask for salvation it isn't a question God could save you in your deathbed but it's unlikely 
don't take your chances. I witnessed a man at the Brookwood Hospital not long ago. I'd visited one of our own friends, and just before I had prayer with him, I asked him, he said, my roommate here is having surgery in the morning. Would you pray for him? And I reached over and introduced myself and said, we'd like to join in prayer with you. And I said, I just before I pray, I said, how long have you been a Christian? And he indicated he was not. And I said, oh, well, before you go to surgery in the morning, could I just explain to you in the Bible how to be saved? And I read the scripture in a brief fashion in a hospital room. And I said, would you just like to give me your hand and trust Christ before your surgeon tomorrow? I'll never forget his words. Not tonight, preacher. Not tonight. Knowing that he was facing surgery, I made a second appeal. I said, but let me ask you, before the surgery tomorrow, would not even in church, just you and I and my friend Ed here, wouldn't you like to ask Christ to save you? Not tonight, preacher. Not tonight. And before noon the next day, I got received a phone call from his roommate. That man had died on the operating table. His words haunt me still. Not tonight, preacher. Not tonight. As far as I know, that was the last opportunity he had to be saved. Now, I'm not trying to play on your emotion. I'm telling you what really has happened, and it happens oftentimes. This man... In this desperate situation, without any money, without any good deeds, without anything that would help him attain a right standing with God, he said, Lord, remember me. That's all he said when you get into your kingdom. And that very moment, the miracle of salvation came into his life. One man died in sin. One man died without sin. But as we come to the Lord's table, I want you to know one man on that center cross died for sin. We've already sung about it. You've heard about it from Ricky's song. You've heard about it from the choir, the songs we've sung together. God the Father made God the Son to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took your sin and your hell and your guilt and mine, laid it upon him. He went to the cross. He took his righteousness and his goodness and gave it to you and me, and we go to heaven. That's grace, dear friend. That's eternal life. That's what it's all about. Who was this man? According to the Bible, even a Roman soldier recognized him. He said, surely, according to Luke's account, this was a righteous man. Matthew 27, 54 says, the soldier said, surely this was the Son of God. That's who he was. The only begotten Son of God. What had he done? Let's let two people answer that. First of all, his friends. What did his friends say about him? According to 1 Peter chapter 2, one of the closest friends Jesus had was Simon Peter. He was the chief of the apostles. He was with him through most of his earthly ministry. And Simon Peter, who knew him from beginning to end of his ministry, and who knew the forgiveness that he got after he had denied him, said, Lord, he was without guile. 
G-U-I-L-E, without sin. Somebody who really knew him. He's without God. What about his enemies, his foes? If you'll read carefully the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 38, and then verse, chapter 19, verses 4 and 6, you'll see what Pontius Pilate said. Not once, not twice, three times he said, listen, I find no fault in him. Even his enemies had to acknowledge No man ever spoke like this man. No man's ever done what this man's done. I find no fault in him. Quickly notice, what did he say? In his dying moments, we know that he was hung on the cross from 9 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, six hours. What did he say? Two things I want you to see here. Number one, he uttered a prayer. And number two, He answered a prayer. Look at it. He uttered a prayer. The first word he uttered from the cross. You probably remember seven times Jesus said something for the cross. But the first word he uttered was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He prayed for the very people who were crucifying him. And then he answered a prayer. That thief who had said, Lord... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answers that prayer. And he says to him, Today, right now, in a moment, you'll be with me in paradise. And he'll do the same thing for you. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of good goodness. You just have to have a lot of faith. And believe that right now, If you have never before asked him to forgive you, that on Sunday morning, September the 7th, 2014, at the Pelham First Baptist Church, God will do for you what he did for the thief on the cross. One man died in sin. One man died without sin. One man died, thank God, for sin. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, as you look at your own life, is there a time when you, by faith, trusted Jesus Christ with all your heart? And if you died today like that thief was dying on the cross, you said, Charles, I know for sure I would go to heaven. If you can, breathe a prayer of thanksgiving today. If you're not absolutely certain, I don't mean hope so, think so, that you know so. I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. If not, just like the thief, why don't you pray? Lord, save me today. And in a moment when we sing, you come. We'll meet you right here at the front. Heavenly Father, this is your hour. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he offers today eternal life to everyone who believes. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with us? And as we stand, our staff is going to be here at the front. As we sing the first stanza, we'll meet you right here. You come right now. Just as I am without.
thank you so much. Would you be seated for just a brief moment? And as you are, our deacons will come in preparation for our observance this morning of the Lord's Supper. It is said that on the night that before he was, that he was betrayed, that Jesus met with his own disciples in the upper room and he established what we're about to observe this morning. In honor of him, will you pray together with me? Heavenly Father, with all of our hearts, we thank you that you have given to us something to remember Jesus by. Thank you for the elements. Thank you and for what they symbolize. Help us today to see beyond the juice in the cup and the cracker in the plate, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, the Son of God. In his name we pray. Amen.
scripture tells us that that night Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. This do, he said, in remembrance of me. On that same night, the Lord also took the cup and blessed it and said to them, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do in remembrance of me. Will you pray together with me? Heavenly Father, help us to see the truth of Holy Scripture. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Help us to understand today and you and afresh as a part of the body of Christ that it was the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary that made available forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. And we bow in reverence and awe in your presence and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.